Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, October 15th, and this is Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network. My name is Jared Scali, alongside my co-host, Jess Thomas. Put over the top, looking for a big hit from Betts, if you're with the Red Sox. And a long shot right center, it's down! Devers will score. Leon to third in the second with an RBI double is Mookie Betts. All right, everyone, welcome in. Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and co- video coverage, excuse me, for your Boston Red Sox at Red Sox CLNS is the Twitter for the network coverage. Whew, we have a lot of baseball to talk about. Uh, Jess Thomas alongside me, of course. I am Jared Scali here. Uh, rate and resubscribe on iTunes. All the good stuff as always, but we're going to jump right into it because there's a lot to get into. We are recording this after the Red Sox have tied up the ALCS game one game apiece. We'll get to David Price. We'll get to Chris Sale. He had stomach issues apparently tonight too, so a lot to get to. But just overall, since we spoke last week, there has a lot been going on, and it's just been playoff baseball in a nutshell. Yeah, we got instant reaction here following uh, following our game two win. It's been three games since we last had the show. Two loss, just like we expected. We knew we'd be two games in here, and uh, I think you're in a pretty good spot. You know, obviously you lose a home game, but you're one to one going to Houston. I mean, you, in a series like this, you don't expect to win every game and for win, win every home game for either team. Nope. Like I'm sure the Sox will take one in, in Houston, so it's, that's just a great series for. You. I mean, this this series is lined up after this win tonight to be a fantastic series. Okay, so let's um, just quickly, Jess, before we get to the series, because obviously it's going to be heavily ALCS, just give me your overall thoughts on the Yankee series, because after that 1-1 split, a lot of people were doubting this team to even get out of that Yankee series, and then they ran the table in New York, the 16-1 win. Um, so I just wanted to hit on it just because this team showed a lot more resiliency than they have in the last couple of years. Yeah, a lot of people were writing them off really quickly after that game two loss, which I found interesting. Like you gave up on a 108 win team very quickly, and obviously the 16 to one win. We we uh, discussed that in the last show. That was a huge statement win. Brock Holt hitting for the cycle, and then yeah, game four. Uh, I I predicted they would win in four, and I got that right. I know you said that you thought they were going to go back to game five, but they really had it all lined up for game four. They had Rick Porcello starting, and CC uh, Sabathia, who's 38 years old. So I feel like the matchup favored the Red Sox pretty well there, and they went out. Porcello pitched well. The bullpen pitched great. It was 4-1 going to the ninth inning. Craig Kimbrell decided to give us a pretty big scare and almost blow the game, but they did survive for a 4-3 win. So 
I mean, besides the ninth inning, the Sox severely outplayed the Yankees in that game. So they just took them to Yankee Stadium and, and just took it to them and, uh, and and came out with a win. It was really satisfying to beat them on their field without even going to a Game 5 at Fenway to knock them out. I mean, what, there's nothing better than beating the Yankees. What killed me the most about that, too, and then we'll move on, is the fact that everyone bailed on them after Game 2, and it was David Price start. Like, did anyone expect them to win that game? Like, obviously, we right. wanted him to, and it was David Price, and we were hoping, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he's terrible against di- didn't we all sit there and go, <laughs> well, chalk David Price up as a loss before the series started? So wouldn't you think they would have gone to New York split in, like, the perfect – in, like, the situation that everyone was talking about before that series? Right, because if you go by matchups in the past, you would have expected Sale to beat them which he did, and you expect Price to lose to them because he gave up, like, 45 home runs against them Exactly. Year. I mean, it made perfect sense that he that he totally blew that. And so I didn't get what – I didn't really understand that. It was, like, all based around the fact that they lost at home. It's like, that thing. It's like they were one of the best road teams in the league, too. Like, why do, why, why, why is it automatically assumed that you're not going to win a road game? So that was a good, good statement there. Yeah, so I, let's move on because, obviously, the ALCS is something that – is a big deal. hasn't Haven't been there since what 2013, and obviously, you know, you have these games going on. The Patriots are playing. The Celtics are starting Tuesday, and baseball is still prevalent. You're seeing it by the the sense around Fenway. And um, let's talk about Game One quickly. Obviously, Game Two is kind of the news right now. But from Game One, Chris Sale looked okay. Like he he looked awful at the beginning, and then he kind of figured it out. And as soon as he started to figure out, Core decided to take him out, um, which was kind of unfortunate. I thought I was hoping at least one more inning out of him, but. That being said, now he's going to be fine. He'll pitch. He'll get at least another start in this series, regardless. Overall, his stomach's okay. His stomach is apparently okay. Yeah, he was apparently at the hospital tonight. But I, this, the first game was just ugly baseball. Like it wasn't like the Houston Astros until the last uh, mirage of runs on those homers. They didn't do much, and it wasn't like the Red Sox were there to take it. But the offense from both sides was kind of meh. It was kind of crap baseball. Pitching was meh. Verlander was good. Obviously, Verlander was shut down like always. But the umpiring was almost the story of this game more than anything else because behind the plate you had a guy who was literally not sure where the strike zone was. And if he had his way, he would have been out of there after the second inning because clearly he had some place to be. Um, because there were some balls, at the, especially earlier in the game, that Verlander was getting called that was about a foot off the strike zone that Price uh, that sailed through the same pitch and didn't even come close to getting that call. That guy, what was his name? I don't even know. Hoy? James Hoy. James Hoy? That guy yeah. sucks. Like, he was at Angel yeah. Hernandez territory. Oh, he was. And Cora got ejected because he was arguing balls and strikes, which you can't even do. And he was like, well, this guy's so bad that I'm going to do it anyway and get ejected. So, are you mad about that? People I, people are mad about that. Are you actually are you, are you annoyed that he got ejected in a playoff game? No, because it was so frustrating. I, I was ready to jump through a wall, and I'm not the manager of the team. Like, he was so, so bad, so inconsistent, awful. I mean, like you said pitches that he was calling strikes that weren't even close for Verlander and then the same pitches for Sale. In the third inning, Sale threw more balls than strikes. That's not Chris Sale. He was off for sure. Like, he was definitely not totally himself in that game, but he wasn't that bad. There were a lot of really close calls that he was just n- not getting at all. The guy would not call a strike for him. Yeah, no, he um, he was bad. I'm, I support the core thing. I think that's that's a situation where you put on Twitter, hashtag my manager, you support the guy. You know, <laughs> You know you have guys behind him on the bench. Um, to manage it, have managerial experience. You don't need to worry about it. And obviously that game was weird anyway. You support that because that's something that players don't take lightly. Players like having their manager, even in a playoff situation, to come out and 
support them like that, especially in a situation where the umpire was that bad. So I don't even look at the story of that game as a, yeah, Mookie Betts wasn't great, made up for that tonight. J.D. Martinez, meh. But the story of that game was the umpiring because every time you thought the Red Sox were getting into a groove, starting to figure it out, making some pitches to get out of these innings, they weren't getting it. The guy threw a—was it—which pitcher was it? I don't remember. Who threw the curveball right down the middle that they didn't call a strike? Joe Kelly. It was Joe—that's exactly who it was, and I was pissed that yeah. Joe Kelly came in because I'm you know me. I just don't like—trust the guy. He, he was good, though. <laughs> but he was good, and it's sad that he's the one guy now that you can trust, at least in that game, because they were, the bullpen was good tonight, and we'll get to tonight. But you look at that pitch, and it's like, I don't care who got crossed up, where Vasquez was and where he caught the ball, that pitch was down the middle of the strike zone. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. I get that it's like confusing to the umpire, but if the ball is a strike, the ball is a strike. It should. If the guy throws no catcher, it'd be a strike. And it's one thing it's, if it's, it's down the middle. It's one thing if it's borderline, and if like you know Vasquez jumps one way and reaches the other way, and it's close enough that maybe not being over there might make it difficult. I get it. It's close, whatever. But the pitch was literally like I could have. I couldn't have right walked it up to the mount the, to the plate <laughs> and handed it to him any better than he did pitching that curveball into the middle of the strike zone. It was right down the middle. It was, man, it was weird. I yeah. just thought it was every every pitch was like that. It was, there were so many pitches that were good pitches that were just called balls. I don't know what the guy's issue was. It was very strange. But yeah, it was a weird, like you said, weird game overall. I mean, for the first what was it, seven innings, there were four hits total. Each team hits. when it was three to two in the seventh inning, there were more runs than hits in the end. There were five runs and four hits total. So like that was weird. Ton of walks, you know, sloppy play. It was just hit by pitches. It mm-hmm. was just a really sloppy game, but it's like the Astros are known for their hitting, and until Workman gave up two home runs in the eighth, there was not, like, any hit. Like, the Astros, ter- terrifying hitting. Same with the Red Sox. They weren't doing anything either, but, like, everyone's so afraid of the, the Astros' offense, and they just didn't do anything. That's not why they won the game. It was just, like, weird umpiring, too many walks, and just a couple, a couple breaks they got. It was a weird, it was a really weird game. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a weird situational game. And then you have game two tonight, which we'll get to in a second. But one thing I want to touch on, because this kind of goes back to the divisional series too, and this is one of our bigger topics tonight, is Rick Porcello. Um, Jess and I were texting back and forth while this game was ending, and we were just both jacked up about how much of a massive pair Rick Porcello has between his legs <laughs> in the eighth inning, apparently coming out of the bullpen. I don't get it, Jess, because this is someone that like is shaky in the starts, whatever. But like in the eighth inning, for some reason, he was locked in. He was working. He was quick. He got his signals. This happened in the in the ALDS too when he had to come in against the Yanks in Game One. He got his signal. He came up to the mound. He threw his pitch. Got the ball back. Let's do it again. He was quick. He was decisive. I wish he pitched like that when he started because he's not always that quick when he's on the mound as a starter. But just clearly they trust him more than anybody else in the bullpen besides Barnes and Brazier because after that, they didn't let anybody else go in. Eighth inning, mm-hmm. need the game, game two. Rick Porcel comes in three up, three down. Yeah, it seems like for Cora, if if it works out with how he's pitching his next game, because obviously they still want to be a starter because he's one of your best pitchers, period. And it's like if you, the situation's right. Like he's your eighth inning guy now. <laughs> If he's not pitching, if he's if there's a break between the games, he's going to be the, the eighth inning guy. It seems like he's done it twice now, and he pitched two thirds of an inning in the ALDS. He pitched a full inning in in game two here. So it's like there's two reasons why he's good, in my opinion, in the eighth inning. One, he never walks anybody. He hasn't he hasn't been a a, a wild pitcher 
in his career. Like, he always has very low walks. That's huge in the eighth inning. You don't want to walk guys, as you know. That's one reason he's good. Two is he's competitive. The guy's got passion. He is all about the big moments. He said, eighth inning, give me the ball. And he just goes after him. He just throws strikes. He throws quick, like he said. And he just gets out. I mean, he does, he's not afraid of anybody. He got two strikeouts in the last two batters. He was jacked up. He was ready. Like, he was not afraid of these guys. He's not afraid of the Astros. He wasn't afraid of the Yankees. That's what you need in the playoffs. And he's been like that since he's been here. I know that people... You get a little frustrated with him. You know, he pitched terrible his first year here, and then he followed up a Cy Young season with a very, very poor season last year, and then he came back, was good this year. It's like, I feel like people are just now, like, finally warming up to him and like, oh, this guy's pretty valuable. Like, they didn't, they missed the whole Cy Young season. <laughs> I said, did you miss the Cy Young award <laughs> you won? Like, come on now. Right. It's like, I know he's had a couple tough seasons here, but it's like, he won a Cy Young, and he's... He's pitched a lot of good games, and he's been a good teammate, competitive guy. He's like a really good guy from what I can see. He seems like a really likable guy. So it's like, I, I mean, as you can vouch for, I've been a fan of him since the second he walked in the door. Oh, day I one. I love the guy. He's he's such a gamer. So seeing him do this for me is, like, really validating because it's like he wants the moment, and he's pitching in the moment. And this is the farthest the team's gotten since he's been here, and he's he's taking full advantage. I love it. It's It's awesome to see. He's and a gamer. The one thing I love about him pitching in the eighth is the flexibility they do have because of all these pitched well. Um, yes. Now, of all the, it, it was Cora confirmed this that we all knew because he did it in the first round too. Of all these pitching game three, Porcello will be bumped back to game four, and then from there you'd get Sale game five if needed. Um, it's kind of a nice situation that kind of the way the starting rotations kind of worked itself out because Avaldi came here was lights out, sucked for a little bit. We weren't really sure what his role was going to be. People were talking bullpen for a little bit with Evaldi. Thank God he didn't do that, and Erod is not in the rotation. They have options now that you have your four guys. Sale is the guy who comes around on the fifth day if needed, and you have you have it figured out now that you, the guys you trust are Porcello in an eighth inning if really needed, if the game is absolutely needed, and then you ha- but you have Barnes and and Brazier who you trust apparently. Joe Kelly here and there, but you have enough guys now that I think you can get through with this bullpen, and that's hard for me to say because, again, they've been bad for a lot of the year. They've given up a lot of tough runs, but I think you have enough as long as the offense is there, Jess, and I think this is a big part of it because you noticed it. Game one, offense wasn't there. It didn't matter. You lost because the offense couldn't keep up. In the Yankees series, offense kept up. You won 16 to freaking one. Look what happened. Not a problem. Like As long as the offense is hitting... And it keeps you in games. I think the bullpen will be fine. Um, but it, like we know, if this offense doesn't go, this team doesn't go. Yeah, I mean, they're built on the offense. We said that coming into the playoffs. We said, you know, if they win, it's going to be because of the offense. And like you saw tonight, they got down 4-2. to two. I know we'll get more into prices out. I mean, you get down 4-2, to two, and then they're not out of it because the offense comes right back and, and gets you up again. And they never trailed again. So you need the offense for sure. But... Yeah, I, I want to give the – I mean, <clears throat> I was less concerned about the bullpen than most people. If you've been listening to the show, you can you, you know that. And I'm not sure if I was just trying to be a fan and believe in them or I actually believed it. But, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the way Cora has has done this has been masterful, first of all, with bringing in starters in the eighth inning. And then secondly, they he found a couple guys that you, that you needed – to find he found Barnes and Brazier and Joe Kelly apparently he hasn't pitched in like the big spots but he's pitched in like the get you through some innings spots and he's been good and so that's helpful but Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier combined for nine innings in the playoffs and they've only given up one hit 
no runs. They've been completely dominant, and they were the two guys you wanted to trust more in the regular season. So he's found them, and between them having a starter pitch the eighth inning and then Kimbrell in the ninth, it's been enough to this point, and you haven't had to bring in the, you know, Hembry's pitched a bit, and, you know, there's been a couple guys that have pitched here or there. You know, Workman Blue, obviously, yes, uh, in game one, he was terrible, but you haven't had to use those guys very much, and it works perfectly because you have the guys you trust in the big spots, and that's been enough to get the wins you needed to get. So whatever they have, it's it's been enough at this point. We'll see if it continues that way, but it's it's really working so far. Yeah, and the nice thing is is that you say you, you know you trust Barnes and Brady, and it's true. Those really are the guys you have trusted. Like Those are the two guys that we've talked all year and been, well, you have these two, but what else do you have, right? It's nice to see them actually doing what they're supposed to do. Because if you don't, if they start to crap themselves, which we've seen them both do at times, right, over the course of the uh, – and especially towards the end of the season when the bullpen just stopped pitching well. Um, Barnes, Barnes more. Barnes more. Pretty good. Yeah. But, all the way. And then you also don't know what Brazier is going to be because he's a rookie. Or like he, has, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's not a rookie. Right. But, so you don't really know when you put him in Fenway Park, you put him in this moment against Astros and ALCS, what's he going to be? And he's come out and proven that you know he can throw 98, 99, 100 and – is worth having on this roster. It's really impressive. I mean, the guy wasn't even on the team. I, I'm sure you've heard the story at this point. Brazier sent an email to May teams saying that he had a workout that teams could come to, and like six teams came to it or something out of 30, and then nobody called back for a month, and then the Red Sox called back, and we're like, oh, we like your fastball. Uh, come to our spring training, and he did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he came up on July 8th. So he didn't pitch for half the season, but he came with July 8th, and he's been one of the most important pitchers you've had. So like every any team could have had this guy. He hasn't pitched in the league in five years, and you had no idea if he was going to feel the pressure in the playoffs. He struggled in his first game, and he's been great since. So it's like you found a guy here who throws hard, very accurate, and he's clearly not afraid of the moment. Nope. I mean, you really locked out there. Like That could have been anything. I mean, do I wish they would have got another bullpen arm? Of course. We've had that argument. We've had that conversation. It would have been nice to have them get one sure. more guy because then Porcello wouldn't have to pitch the eighth inning if they went and got one more guy. You would have somebody else out there that you trust. But Well, that, that does kind of tell you how they feel about the bullpen, that they've had a starter come in the eighth inning three of these games. But, I mean, <laughs> you, do, you work with what you have at this point, obviously. Which doesn't that you piss know, you twice. off a little bit, though? Because all throughout the process, Dombrowski kept saying, we like our bullpen, we trust our bullpen, like, we don't need anybody. Look at Brazier, he's great. Look at Barnes, he's great. Okay, but no one can still pitch the eighth inning, Dombrowski. And that's been the thing we've been crying about all year. It does kind of prove that. It's like, it makes him look bad because he was like, our bullpen's great. And then Cora's like, yeah, we need to start to come in the eighth inning like three quarters of our games. <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of speaks to that he doesn't believe that without actually say, him saying it, which is interesting. Oh, it's sure. it's definitely an organizational, we're going to say we believe in it, but we really don't like these guys. We don't trust them enough to pitch him in the eighth inning. because with, with, At least not Je- as much as Porcello. And Jess, I know <laughs> you love the bullpen, but would you really rather like, would you trust Matt Barnes or Ryan Brazier in the eighth inning over Rick Porcello? I'd prefer them in the sixth and seventh. I yeah, like how it's there working you so go. far. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and that's a guy who loves this bullpen. So, look, that's gonna that's bygones be bygones. We know Dumbrowski doesn't know how to build, build the bullpen. It might cause this team doom. Who knows? That They're playing well in spite of it, and I think Cora has a big part in managing around the deficiencies of this team. Um, there's been some, there's been some decisions that I haven't agreed with. I think Devers is the biggest one, um, not playing often enough because I think he is a better option than Nunez right now because Nunez defensively hasn't been any better than Devers would have been. And Devers is better. And playing Kinsler too much is the other thing. He's really hitting on Kinsler. Like he is like trying to get him in the game. 
a lot. Cannot hit for crap right now. Yeah, he's no, not even close. I I get defensive replacement because he still is a pretty good defender. Um, yes. or even starting him every once in a while. But why isn't Brock Holt in every? And this isn't me saying this because I don't like Brock Holt as an everyday player. But right now he's really on the option. Um, well, he's he's played great the last month too, and they obviously hit for the cycle in Game Three of the Yankees series. And Kinsler hasn't hit Jack for like three weeks. He's been awful at the plate and Cora keeps playing him and keeps playing him and keeps playing him and it's like an automatic out at this point it's like uh, there's no way he's playing game three Holt's got to start that right Holt and Devers have to be in the lineup together it has to be those two Devers needs to not leave the lineup like I'm done with it like he came up in a big spot tonight hit a base hit scored a run played pretty good defensively like I don't Nunez is fine like I get it but Devers has proved himself he's coming back from his injury he's figuring it out again he's hitting well at the plate there's no reason for him not to be your third baseman Oh, I give Devers all the credit in the world. I doubted him, and I don't. I don't like being wrong in these situations, but I absolutely was. I I said in this show he should not be in the playoff roster. He's not good enough right now. And then he decided to go absolutely nuts the last two weeks of the season, got healthy, become like the best player on the team. Right, he got healthy, and he's come up big in the playoffs. He's gotten several, but he's made a couple of good defensive plays. I mean, he totally proved me wrong. I said get him off this roster, and he's been great. I compare this exact situation to the Bogart situation, right? Before the hand injury, stud. Phenomenal. No one could stop no one could say a bad word about him. Gets hurt in the hand last year and everyone's like, trade him, this guy's a bum. Who's this guy? Guys, he was hurt all year. Xander comes back this year, comes back the hundred RBIs has one of the most undervalued seasons on this team because of who J D and Mookie Betts are. And now look what he's doing for you. Devers, same thing. Before, last year, look, he hit a bomb off of Aroldis Chapman in the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium. Everyone was ploring this guy for whatever he could be. Come in this year. Oh, yeah, Devers is our everyday third baseman. We love that dude. And that's the history of the town. It is what it is. But it did, Second he gets hurt. Hit like, pretty well. Yeah, it's beginning of the year, right? <laughs> like he was doing well towards the beginning of the year, hitting well. We're like, yeah, he's our third baseman in the future. Him and Bogart's left side of the infield. Gets hurt. Comes back, sucks. Oh, yeah. he's terrible. Bench that His guy. No, he's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. He gets healthy and look what happened. So right. I love People hearing that you're patient. wrong. I love hearing you <laughs> say you're wrong. It's great. Um, and I think Devers just needs to stay in there from for the foreseeable future because clearly with him at third base, it just makes more sense because now he has a guy who's been hitting well um, and, and it just it just it just makes more sense. And you know what also makes je- sense, Jess, is uh, one in one hundred dot co. Uh, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Yeah, I said that right. You're tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last minute convenience charges, so you can end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats up at the top of Fenway or the Garden or wherever you're going. All you got to do is go to one in one zero zero dot co. That's one in one zero zero dot co. You feel lucky? You try it out now. The novelty of it is that there's no other place online that's doing online raffles like this to win tickets to events. It's totally a new way to score tickets to your favorite events, or a new way to score, you know, Red Sox tickets, Celtics tickets, whatever it may be. Tickets to events are hard to get, and that's the point. And their good ones are obviously expensive. The cost to potentially score tickets with one in one hundred is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. Score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer or a soft pretzel. Your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. The experience of using one in one hundred is extremely easy, fun, and exciting. From picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets, you feeling lucky? Try it. One in one hundred co. That's one in one hundred zero zero dot co. Um, okay. 
big topic of the night, and this is something that obviously I kind of wanted to tease a little bit and save towards the end. It's David Price. And I feel like, you know, history of this show, it feels like we talk about David Price every week because something he does yeah. in the, new, the media says something. He talks about playing Fortnite, whatever the news has been. David Price has come up a lot on the show for good reason. He's the talk of the town a lot of times. David Price tonight, Jess, and this is something that I, I hinted on Twitter. I asked the question. I told him I would answer on the show, whatever it may be. You know, was it good enough tonight? Win or lose, was it good enough to be okay with this? I say yes, and I'll explain in a second, but I'm curious before I go what you say. Yeah, um, I'm okay with how he pitched. I don't think it, this is a case where you can look at the numbers necessarily because it's really easy to look at the numbers and be like oh, four and two-thirds innings and and uh, four runs, like not good enough. Totally get that. But if you watch the game, you know, the first two runs were scored because Bogarts didn't get enough on his throw. He took too long. They ended up scoring after that, and they scored the two runs on a big blue pit that was just fair down the first baseline from George Springer. That was a pretty lucky hit. There was only one well-hit ball in that inning. It was Maldonado's hit. Mm -hmm. And then the next inning, he gives up the home run. That's on him. So really just... One mistake, in my opinion, is really all it was. Other than that, he pitched pretty well. He gave him the chance to win. He had some strikeouts. He looked pretty comfortable. He did not look terrible. He wasn't great. Like He certainly wasn't regular season good. But And it's really a shame he couldn't get one more out and get his first postseason win because no runs were scored by the Astros mm -hmm. after he left the game. But four runs right out of the fifth inning, and, and uh, Marwin Gonzalez was up, who had already hit a home run off Price. So he went to Barnes. Barnes struck him out. So that worked. It's too bad because Price didn't get a win. But it wasn't great, but he wasn't bad enough to jump off a bridge. It he, wasn't as bad as the pitching line true. suggested. He pitched well enough to get a win, just didn't qualify for one, in my opinion. Looking at yeah. the way the game flowed, like you talked about, one bad pitch, put two runs on the board, right? So you, you look at the way he threw the ball. Wasn't any worse than Chris Sale was, right? Like you, you, People are going to back Chris Sale 100%, obviously, what he is, but like, was he was he any worse, if not much more, than Chris Sale? One bad pitch well, cost him two runs, but like, was it that much different? They both had four walks, which is uncharacteristic for both of them. Sale only gave up one hit. Price gave up five, but they were all pretty weak hits. So it's like it, their outings were pretty similar, and I, they were both they were both victim of umps because the same thing happened to Price. That happened Price got to squeezed Sale. a little bit. Yep. Yeah, there were several pitches that could have been strikes that Carapaza just was not calling strikes, and he got squeezed, and he walked guys because of it. I put a lot, of, I put a lot of both their struggles in the ump, and I hate doing that, but it's if you watch the games, it really was. They were squeezing the heck out of him. Anybody who looks at that start and says, "Oh, he's trash. He sucked. Don't let him pitch again," you're comparing it to the stupid contract, and I get it. You're paying him an arm and a leg. Just know that for some reason, it's a different animal. We, I mean, we know it is regular season to postseason. But for some reason, for David Price, it's that much more of a different animal. You take what you get at this point because you're, you're not going to get regular season David Price in a postseason start. If, if you are still waiting for that, anybody out there listening, it's not <laughs> happening. Like, just don't think it's coming. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Just take him getting into the fifth inning. Take him getting an unqualified win tonight. He won you a game that you needed to have. Right, because everyone thought. I honestly, honest to God, I think a lot of people thought they were going to split this first two games at home. Win Chris Sale, lose David Price. Right, I think that was yeah, just what right. everyone assumed. And and you're not you're not in bad shape by any means. You're tied. You're going back to Houston. Like I don't think you're any worse off than you would could have been. Right. 
Okay, now it's still 1-1. It's flipped. David Price lets you go to Houston split instead of down 2-0 and probably on the verge of getting swept because of how bad the team, like, momentum-wise was going to go into Houston. Down 2-0, coming off another David Price bashing. That's what I expected to honestly be talking about, Jess, coming into the show. I was expecting him to be down 2-0. I expected David Price to suck, and that's just kind of the way the routine's been. He was good. It was good enough for me. And I think at this point, it's just because the expectations are set so freaking low. But he was good enough for me. The bar set is where it is. And if he can get five, six innings every time he's out there and the Red Sox offense can give him some run support, I'm fine with it. There was one crazy stat that I saw over his postseason starts, Jess. His run support, on average, you know what that number is? 1.9. 1.9. That's nothing. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Like He's been better than his numbers are. Yeah, sure. I, I think people are looking at the numbers and reacting, and the 1.9 run support, it's almost like that season John Lackey didn't get any help at all when he was in the Red Sox uniform. Like You look at that number, and it's like, that speaks volumes. He hasn't always pitched bad games. Yeah, there's been some clunkers in there. There always are going to be. It's David Price in the postseason. But there are some close games that he probably deserved to win but didn't because his offense didn't show up. Right. It's like... People, I saw a few people on Twitter being like, "Oh, look at TBS trying to like make it seem like Price isn't as bad as he is." But like, that's a that's a fact. One point nine runs per game is nothing, and it, they were just trying to say that maybe he's not so bad. It's the pile on effect. Yep. People people want to hate Price in the playoffs, no matter what. They don't care what his numbers are. They don't care about it game by game. They just hear zero oh, and nine. The playoffs is a starter, so therefore he's the worst. Mm-hmm. That's all people want. That it's just it's totally the pile on effect. So, yeah, I mean, it, expectations are low, and you know, four runs and four two thirds innings is not great. But the offense did well. Garrett Cole gave up five runs, four earned, and six innings as well. He wasn't good either. So, what like what you said, you come into this game, you're down one nothing. No team's ever gone down two zero in the ALCS and come back and won. Mm-hmm. Go, gone down two zero at home. Yeah, not period, but just at home, and you know they were doing that. Your whole season was riding on David Price, and people weren't feeling very good about that. And the point is, no matter what happened in the game, he pitched well enough to keep you in the game and go back to Houston tied one to one. I mean, he could have pitched a little better, but I think most people would take that. And so, you know, it's not, it's not like a go crazy situation. Is you know, there's no need to overreact to it. It's just. It was what it was, and he kept you around, and the bullpen pitched great. So I'm fine with it. I want to give him a chance. I hate bashing on the guy. I really want him to pitch well, and he's just not a great postseason pitcher. So this, is baby. this is better than it's been, so we'll take it. Probably one of his best, to be honest. Um, which is okay. sad. It, which is very sad <laughs> knowing who David Price actually is. But that being said, you can't really avoid it at this point. Okay. Um Obviously, going back to Houston, tied 1-1. I think Game 2 showed us a lot, Jess. You, you pointed out here in our show prep, too. It's Houston is vulnerable. Some errors, right, that caused some bad pitching. Mookie Betts came around on two wild pitches and a pass ball, two pass balls and a wild pitch to score. Like, there, there's vulnerabilities here. What are you looking at before we leave the rest of this series? Because now you, the, the benefit for Houston is now you have three at home if you're the Astros. Um, and that's the way this series works they don't do two two one one like they don't do it that way. Red Sox are tied one one. Now they got to go play three in Houston. The series could not even come Stupid. back to Boston. Stupid. I hate two. two I hate two three two. Well, this is why the NBA changed it, right? Because people were complaining. You have home court in the NBA finals, and you could lose one game and not come back. Right. 
Isn't it still two three two in the NBA Finals? No, no, didn't they didn't they change it back? Didn't they change it? I know it's I know it's changed for the rest of the series. <laughs> I always forget every year. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. Whatever. This is a baseball show. <laughs> it's it's stupid. That's two three two because it it puts the home team at a disadvantage if you lose a, one of the games at home like the Red Sox did. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you go you lose three in a row and the series is over. I don't I don't like that at all, but. I think this series is going to be too close for that to happen. So it should get back uh, to yes, Boston. I, 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 what's that? It should get back to Boston. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I like this. That the game two showed that they have flaws. You know, Colden pitch well. He's a great pitcher. He didn't pitch well. He made an error. Pass balls. Maldonado's a great catcher. Still had pass balls. So it's like they show that they're not invincible. Because I feel like a lot of people are convinced that Houston is invincible and can never lose. That's yeah. all I hear. All I hear is how they're like too good to be true like they're the best team ever they never lose they can't do anything wrong and i'm sick of hearing about it so it was really nice to have them actually show some flaws tonight that made me feel very nice so uh the rest of the series yeah i mean obviously you want to win game three or four and you know if you lose game three it's not the end of the world you're down two to one you, you still have to Houston still has to win two more games, so it's going to be a close series. These teams are really evenly matched. They're both 100-plus win teams, so take it a game at a time and just do your best. Honestly, it's, I mean, I think having home field is going to be really helpful because I do think you're going to come back to Boston. It's going to be a close series. I really don't have much feeling, so obviously before the season started, as I've been boasting, I picked the Red Sox to beat the Astros in the ALCS, so I'm obviously not going to stray from that. I still think they're going to win. They're an 108 team for a re- win team for a reason, but it's going to be a great series. It's definitely going to go to six or seven. I'm picking Red Sox in six. I believe you picked Red Sox in seven. Mm-hmm. I saw that right on Twitter. Yeah. So, so we're both picking Sox and we're both picking them to win at home. So you won the most games in the regular season for a reason. I think it's going to come back, come back uh, in handy at the end. But it's going to be a great series. It's this is. This is a great ALCS. I mean, this is what it needs. These are two really, really good teams, really evenly matched, and it's going to be really fun. Uh, both league series are doing well. 1-1 one, one Milwaukee and the Dodgers as well, uh, going back to La La Land out west. Um, Jess, that should be just as good of a series. That, that, that should go the distance, if not at least six anyway, um, because the Brewers are fun, openly rooting for Milwaukee. Hello, um, <laughs> Travis Shaw. Let's go. Screw the Dodgers. He had a dog, yeah. Travis Shaw, the other night. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, screw the Dodgers, definitely screw the Dodgers, especially because now Manny, Mach- <laughs> Manny Machado's on that team, even worse, like, no, you can lose. Um, but shouldn't we be thinking of it in terms of who do you want to play, though? Because I think Milwaukee's better. Yes, <laughs> but I also think Dodgers have a lot more big game players. Right, and I think the Red Sox can beat either of them. Yeah, so. I think, honestly, whoever wins the AL is going to win the World Series. Like, even if we lose and Houston goes, Houston's going to win again. It's just, it's yeah. just... Those teams are just AL's so good. Just, the ALs is the, those two teams are so good. Best two teams in baseball for a reason. I think yeah. you have the matchups on both teams. So I'm getting my head of myself. I don't want to preview a World Series yet. <laughs> um, but overall, that championship series is just as good as this one. Yeah, it is. They're pretty evenly matched. I think. I think Milwaukee is better, and they were really close to going up 2-0, but Justin Turner screwed them in the end. So you know that would give LA momentum, and I think that. It's not. It's going to be close now. I think if Milwaukee went up two nothing, that it could have gotten ugly. But I think they're more even than they seem. I know a lot of people think Milwaukee is better, me being one of them. But now that they're tied. Yeah, I think it's probably going, probably going six, maybe seven. We'll see. But 
it's definitely good for baseball. You got four really good teams in here, and these are really good matchups, and that's all you can ask for. 100%. All right, we'll leave it there. A lot of baseball, a lot of good baseball happening. Uh, both league championship series tied at one. Thank God David Price showed up a little bit. Uh, Red Sox, Houston Astros, all tied at one going back to Houston the rest of this week. Fenway would be next Saturday, um, the 20th. And Sunday, right? And Sunday, yep, same as this weekend. So uh, that would be game six and seven. If so we're gonna know some stuff next show. Next <laughs> next show is is a World Series show or it's a crap the seasons over show. Um, wow. So a lot is happening in the next week until you hear our voices again. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy the rest of this week because it might be the last week you watch Red Sox baseball. You don't know the answer oh. to that. Um, hopefully though, hopefully Jess and I are coming back uh, next week talking World Series. Either way, we'll we'll be back next week at Red Sox CLNS on Twitter for all of the network coverage of your Boston Red Sox, Facebook Red Sox Week Podcast. Of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on Stitcher, the mobile podcast app for CLNS. Of course, right from the website as well, clnsmedia.com. Just Thomas over there, Garrett Scally over here. We'll be back next week. Go Red Sox.